0: And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call. As today, your Indiana Hoosiers fall in West Lafayette at Mackey Arena to the Purdue Boilermakers. The final score was 70 to 55 on a day when Indiana shot 20 percent from downtown and 38.9 percent from the free throw line, just simply unwilling to help themselves by taking advantage of the free ones and being able to knock down any threes. The result: a loss. It drops the Hoosiers to 12 and six, three and four in the conference. And obviously, now a huge game uh, looms coming up against Northwestern. Uh, hopefully, the Hoosiers are able to do something there and stop this losing streak because right now, uh, things obviously uh, looking bleak for the Hoosiers. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we will break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. Um, you know, the entire second half really felt like just you know, an uphill hike the entire way. So I'm going to go back to the first half when Indiana really had some positive moments. And to me, the one that really stuck out You know, it was nice to see Rob Finnessy get a start in his third game back. You know, he talked before the game that he was starting to feel a little bit more like himself, and I thought he seemed more like himself uh, today. And midway through that first half, he had a nice little sequence where he knocked down a three-pointer, and this was, uh, I think, after he had missed a couple of them. So it was nice to see him step up and knock that down. Then on the next possession, drove all the way in, scored. It was an and one. He made it. Indiana took an 18-17 to lead at that point. It was six straight points from him in a big spot after Indiana had battled back from being down 11-2, and it was nice to see him in that moment, and obviously a game he wanted to do very well in, you know, back home, uh, you know, he wasn't from West Lafayette, he's from Lafayette, but still, you know, back there, he wanted to play well, and, you know, this is a stat that is, you know, for the most part meaningless, but I think still notable, on a day when Indiana lost by 15, Rob was plus four in 24 minutes, and I really thought the first half fell apart after he went out with the two fouls. That's when Purdue kind of went on their you know big six point run late. They ended up uh, you know using that momentum then at the start of the second half to build their big lead. But if we're looking for positives on a day when there weren't very many of them. Getting Rob Finnessy back to being Rob is so important for this team moving forward. And I thought we saw some of that today. He finished with eight points, three boards, um, an assist, a steal. Uh, and I thought that stretch that he had in the first half, when his team really needed it to get some positive momentum, he stepped up and stepped up and delivered. So uh, nice job today from Rob. Today's Hoosier Proud banner moment is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Home Field apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And HoosierProud.com. you'll find great state of indiana themed apparel plus our official assembly call logo t-shirts all while sending 10% of your purchases to causes around Indiana like the Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. And at homefieldapparel.com, you'll find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. Uh, and right now, until end of day Sunday, uh, January uh, 20th, homefield Apparel is hosting a massive flash sale to celebrate IU Purdue Weekend. I don't really know if you feel like celebrating right now. Maybe if you want to drown your sorrows in buying a new sweatshirt, then you should go to homefieldapparel.com because they're giving 30% off all apparel when you use the promo code ACRIVALRY, that's the letters ACRIVALRY, all one word, at checkout for 30% off all apparel at homefieldapparel.com. And that includes the vintage Bison logo uh, hoodie t-shirt or hoodie sweatshirt with the tri-blend material, which Andy is rocking uh, here for the show, as well as the IU Champions t-shirt. And again, the promo code ACRIVALRY for 30% off at homefieldapparel.com flash sale ends on Sunday. All right, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your Bottoms line on this Indiana loss.
1: Yes, in addition to being comfortable, the sweatshirt is a great thing that you can use to cover your mouth and scream obscenities into while you're watching a game like this. So for anybody that uh, is looking for something, that's a good good one. I didn't
0: see that on the product description, but maybe they should add that. It's also it's like a really,
1: special feature that not everybody gets to know about, but it is,
2: uh, it's also very, very warm. And so if you're watching a game and getting frustrated, it's great. Cause you'll just lose weight from all the water you'll shed from sweating.
1: Oh, good. Two added benefits. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, this game to to me was all down to, I use inability to, to make shots, um, uh, you know the defense was not great at times, and I think they gave up over a point per possession over the over the entirety of the game. Uh, they certainly did, given um, given the numbers that I'm looking at. But it, it, you know, four of twenty from three. I, not very many of the sixteen misses were were not wide open shots. And free throws, the last time I checked, were all wide open shots. And IU finished six of thirteen from the line, or no, seven of eighteen from the line. And took a late rally to get to uh, to get to that point, and and I think you saw, you know, so many times. I feel like we've we've talked about this, and, and Archie's brought it up. I think it happened in the Korean era as well, where you know IU teams, when they haven't been playing well offensively, allowed it to impact everything else that was going on in the game, and that's exactly what happened today. They got good shots, could not make them, and gradually the defense just kind of wore down, gave up open looks, and and didn't give up, but the effort level that was there in the middle of the first half when IU really surged back to take a lead, you know, really went away because the team just seemed completely devoid of confidence and, um, and really unable to make anything happen on the offensive end. And, and again, I think we're at a point where trying to figure out what the team's identity really is at this point, and And I certainly don't know, um, but they can't survive, out in performances where they miss this many wide open shots. They can't survive performances like they had from Romeo today who really just seemed to, you know, completely lose his confidence and was looking around at referees every time, you know, he didn't make a shot toward the end. And it was just a, it just looks like a team that's broken at at this point. And unfortunately there's not situations in the big 10 that are going to allow you, you know, to, to get back and feel better about it because now you go in another road game to Northwestern who has struggled, um, but at least is coming off of a win. Uh, last night against Rutgers, and then your home game in the midst of this this stretch is against Michigan, and I'm not sure if Michigan plays again between the time that they lost today and when IU plays them again next weekend. Presumably, they'll have a game at some point uh, in the middle of next week, but um, just to really... Th- this team looks lost right now and completely you know, without answers for the things that are problems, and it really... While I didn't think the effort, for the most part, in the first half... Rivalled what we saw in the Nebraska game. I think the more that the game wore on, and the bigger the lead Purdue got, the more the effort, at least on the defensive end, resembled what we saw against Nebraska.
0: Yeah. All right, Ryan, over to you. What do you have to rant about today? Uh, yeah, yeah. Anything? Can you think of anything? Uh, Just try really hard.
2: I bet Not you'll come up with something. Really tough for me to come up with something today. Uh, look. The problems for IU are obvious. It's on the offensive end. I think the defense it, it just starts to collapse when they lose confidence on offense. Or Andy sort of alluded to that. I think.
0: I know the defense gave up points on five straight possessions to start the game. So
2: I mean, well, let's not get into the start. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But the thing is, is that when you we've talked about this, when you don't knock down open shots, the defense collapses. Every time IU was driving today, they were driving into a group of players because Purdue has just just collapsed on everything and gave, handed them wide-open shots. And people can talk about, well, the offense isn't getting anything done. Like, What are they doing? They're getting wide-open shots. They're just not making them. And, and at some point, it's like if you don't have shooters... This is kind of what happens, and and yes, it's on the coaching staff to recruit shooters. And uh, trust me, they're trying to do that right now. Uh, They know they need to have guys who can hit open shots. But you know, I mean, Zach McRoberts was 0-4 from three, and none of his threes were contested. They were wide open. Uh, Jawan Morgan missed. He was 1 of 4. I know we don't expect Jawan to just consistently knock down threes all the time, but he was 1 of 4, and he had three open threes. That he missed. Uh, Same with Romeo Langford, 0 of 3 had three open ones. Rob Finney had two pull-ups that were kind of contested that he missed, but his other threes were open. I mean, Al Durham got some off of reversals that were open and he missed. I mean, again, I don't expect these guys to hit 80 percent from three, but when they're wide open, standing like they're in an empty gym you should make some of those, at least half of those, you know, even if you're a poor shooting team, you should make half of those. Um, And then to go to the free throw line and just not be focused enough to make your shots. Uh, I realize this team is tired. I realize this team is worn down. It's been a struggle this year. There's no question about it. The injuries have affected this team. There's no question. There's no getting around that. And it's not an excuse. It's the truth when you can't practice fully, when you can't, you know keep yourself con- consistently at game health it it's a problem and it wears you down but at this point this team it is what it is they have to fight through it they have to find a way to fight through it and break through and get to that second win because that's the only way they're going to advance they're going to do anything this season is if they fight through that this season is what it is right now it's been a disaster injury wise at this point, the roster is what it is, and you've got to move past it and figure something out. And uh, that's on the coaches and it's on the players to figure it out. But I hear people talking about, well, the offense doesn't get anything. You know, it's it's what what are they running on an offensive system? They're getting wide open shots, and they got wide open shots against Nebraska. They got wide open shots the game before that. They have to hit them. And at some point, I, I know everybody used to have a heart attack when Tom Green would say this, they'd say, What was the problem tonight? And he'd say, Well, we didn't make open shots and we've got to make shots at some point. And people would have a heart attack, like, no, you've got to do other things. You have to make shots at some point. You really do. And four of 20 is unacceptable when you're standing alone on the three-point line with nobody within 10 feet of you. You have to make at least half of those shots. If you're not going to do that, you're not going to win on the road in the Big Ten. You're just not. And, And it doesn't matter what
0: happens. All right, so you're right about that. You have to make shots. You're also right about the fact, as we've talked a lot about, That injuries are an issue for this team, okay? But here's the thing. At some point, if you're going to overcome that and move past it, what it takes is chemistry and playing for the guy next to you and digging in and doing that extra that helps you compensate. And I'm not saying that if Indiana had done all of those things that they would have been able to make up for this poor shooting performance and beaten Purdue— but Indiana still, you know, went on the road and gave up, you know, to Purdue one point one two nine points per possession. And granted, Purdue's a good offensive team, but this is several games in a row now where that point per possession that Indiana's giving up is up there. And so what I'm frustrated with right now and concerned about is, you know, you can say all of those things, but I think what we would like to see from this team is a toughness and a chemistry and a cohesion of purpose that right now out there on the court, we just don't see. And that's why the poor shooting, the injuries, they aren't able, it's not that they're not even able to overcome them. I mean, they just get totally sunk. And it's like, they don't have anything that they can fall back on. And it felt like they did, you know, earlier in the season when they would get down and they would come back. And it's like, they had that mental toughness. And right now they just don't have it. And I don't know what the answers are, you know, Ryan, it, as you said, I mean, it, it's, it's, On the coaches, it's on the players. But, you know, Andy, as you look at it right now, to me, all there are things that they can do from an execution standpoint, but at some point they just have to play together and kind of play for the next guy and and be ready to make that next play. And they don't seem to me like a team right now able to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with you. They just, I mean, they certainly don't look like they're having any fun at all. And certainly winning and making shots is more fun than what's going on right now, but they just don't, it it just doesn't seem to take much before things start to unravel. And, and I I don't know at some point it isn't, at some point it can't be the injuries because there are guys who haven't played who there's no reason to believe they're going to at, at this point. And really, I don't know if it was Fisher or somebody else said before the game that they were, you know, about as healthy as they have been in a while. Now, that's True. not really saying, it's not really saying a whole lot. Duran is still uh, really limited. You could tell um, like Robert played a decent number of minutes. Al looked, I think better than, than maybe it, it was, it was, you know, feared that that injury might keep him out a little bit longer. Yeah. I, I mean, at some point you, you just got to, it, it just didn't, it's it's hard to quantify, but it just didn't seem like there was the, the effort that was needed to really win the game. And, you know, they made this comment toward the end, you know, Purdue's got guys diving on the floor when they're up 15 points, which is an easy thing to do when you're up 15 points, but yeah. it just didn't seem like a lot of fight. Um, once things really started to get away, um, at, at the end of the sec- at the end of the first half. You know, I think that, that that showed itself at the beginning of the game too. I mean, you let them come out and score on the first four possessions coming off of a really poor start. And then, you know, an eleven to two run to start the game, and a twelve to two run to start to end the first half. I mean, you're not twenty three to four in those stretches, and really, it, and and again, a chance to really respond coming out of the locker room in the second half. And Purdue scored, I think, on six or seven of their first ten possessions in the second half. A lot of dunks, a lot of open threes, uh, and and then from that point on, I was never really in the game. So in key stretches where they really need to, you know, kind of. You know, stiffen up defensively and toughen up. Like, we haven't, we haven't seen it. You can't argue, you can't argue otherwise. You can argue the reason for it, but you can't argue that, that over the course of, you know, key stretches in these games, they haven't been able to respond.
2: No. And, and what I would yeah. say about if you take those stretches out, IU played Purdue pretty much straight up. It's those huge lapses that they have to figure out a way to just, exercise and get and get rid of them Uh, and that's on the coaches as well as as the players I mean they have to figure out why is this happening you have to get down to the 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 micro uh, view of it and think why is this happening what is causing us to come out flat what is causing us to have these lapses for about 5 minutes where other teams just run circles around us you know you have to figure that out and and i don't know what the answer is and i i i unlike some people i don't think it's calling out the the players in the press you know i i think that it's something this team has to work on internally and figure it out we're not in that locker room we don't know what's going on but you have to figure these things out and 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 that's again that's what the coaches get paid for And so Archie Miller is going to earn his money doing that, or he's going to have a really bad season on his hands. Yep.
0: All right. uh, Coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Purdue, I'll point out tonight's meeting today's meaningful moment you might've missed. And we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game. You are listening to the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are picking up the pieces from another disappointing Indiana performance in Mackey Arena as Purdue bludgeons Indiana uh, really for about the final 24 minutes of this game en route to a 70-55 victory. Uh, It's time now for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and there are a few that I want to point out. Um, one is really a play that summed up the day. Uh, with fourteen about fourteen minutes and thirty seconds left in the second half, uh, Romeo airballed the three from the corner. Carson Edwards came right down and drained it in Romeo's face to put Purdue up fifteen. Um, you know, Indiana airballing a three, Purdue draining one with confidence. That pretty much summed up the the you know one of the big differences uh, between these two teams today. But a couple other that I want to point out in the first half, and you know, obviously. I don't know if these segments went differently if it would have changed the outcome of the game but I thought they were big momentum turners after Indiana had played pretty well in coming back from that 11 to 2 loss. At about the 4:30 mark, Indiana's up 24 to 21 after a really good stretch by Juwan, who had six straight points, had a really big block on harms, and then Purdue immediately goes on a 6-0 run. As Romeo made one of the worst passes I've seen all season, just this lazy little pass to Devontae Green, That had no chance of getting to him. It got intercepted, goes the other way. On the next possession, maybe he got fouled, maybe he didn't, but either way, he tried to dribble through traffic, turned it over. And so, you know, after Juwan was really going off, we have, you know, a couple straight possessions. And it's not like, you know, (laughs) Romeo shouldn't have the ball in his hands, but those turnovers just really killed us and hurt the momentum. And then I thought to compound that, the last two possessions of the first half produced, had, taking a 27 they had a 27-26 lead they had extended it with a 6-point run to make it 33-26 and for the final two possessions of the first half no rob, no romeo, no Juwan on the court and i was just shaking my head why You know, at that point, we needed something to stop the bleeding, something positive going in to halftime. And I get Romeo and Rob had two fouls, but get him in on offense. You know, do offense, defense, and Juwan had no fouls. And I get that he was tired, but I thought at that point in the game to essentially give away possessions. You know, I mean, Duran got the ball in the post and, uh, you know, uh, Harms ended up tying him up and Durham ended up getting a three-pointer on the final possession, just kind of you know dribbled into it. But neither was a good look. Again, I don't know if it changes anything, but I thought those two stretches really killed the momentum that Indiana had, you know, allowed Purdue to go in, you know, with confidence at the end of the first half. And I thought those were were really meaningful and kind of led to the positive momentum that Purdue had coming out in the second half, Andy.
1: You really need to work on your sugar coating. You're not uh, staying on brand um, by yeah. being so critical. Jesus. But, you know, what are you going to do? I, no, I, the, the Romeo stretch was, for me, the biggest one. Because I think at that point, I don't know what the score was, but and maybe you said it, um, but IU had really, like, fought back and, and gotten to a point where they were at least even, you know, plus or minus a couple points. Juwan had really, you know, kind of carried things, scored six straight points at that point. Um, you know, missed a free throw on an and-one opportunity. But, had you know, had scored six straight really off of – If you go back a little bit further, there were kind of three bad possessions before that. Demise took that weird runner. Uh, Clifton Moore tried the hook shot where they're just like begging him to turn to the baseline and he would not do it. And then Devontae has a turnover. You know, Juwan scores those three baskets and you kind of feel like, all right, you've stemmed the tide without Romeo. And I didn't, you know, certainly the idea of bringing him back in at that point to not be so disconnected from the game for 17 minutes of, you know, what would have been 17 minutes of action. If you don't bring it back in to say, hey, go back out and start the second half after you've basically been a spectator the first time, it seemed like a spot that made sense to really get him back in the game. But um, I think defensively, he was so worried to commit another foul that he played timid. And then I think, you know, Nogel Eastern was incredibly physical with him defensively and did a really good job and and really kind of threw him off when, you know, a couple whistles didn't go his way early. And and at that point, you know, the, it was the right move to take him out. I did think it was odd that Juwan was out at the end of the half. Even that, you know, dead ball that went out of bounds that was before the shot clock violation, which was I think the the next to last possession of the half. Put him back in during that stretch. The flip side of that is you've got five guys on the floor. Somebody has to know there's eight seconds left. Like nobody even looked at the at the at the rim until the 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 horn went off. And you know the the owl three at the end was just kind of like you know somebody had to shoot, but it was. Yeah, that was those stretches were were huge because at the same time, and this is where, you know, struggles offensively leading to issues on the defensive end, you know, Purdue scored on a ton of those possessions there, and it was all dunks and eastern shots around the basket. And the reality is the eastern is a guy who, you know, maybe easier said than done. Make him make a shot outside of eight feet from the basket. Play off of him, do the same thing, quite honestly, that everybody's doing to IU and try to force him force him to make shots where they they basically let him get ahead of steam going at the rim, which is exactly what he wants to do every time, because that's where he's gonna be able to score. And I just thought, you know, those stretches were really key. And as I mentioned before, while you would have liked to see a better response coming out of the locker room, that didn't happen either. And and really at that point it, it seemed that there was, sad to say, but it didn't really feel like there was a chance that IU was going to come back in the game given the end of the first half and the beginning of the second. I
0: saw uh, Seth Tao, he's at the press conference, just tweeted, Archie Miller said, I thought Finnessy started to play well before he picked up that second foul. Yeah, he did, and things really fell apart when he went out. And you know how many fouls Rob finished the game with? Two. So I understand a guy gets two fouls, you want to take him out, all of that stuff. And I think Archie has been a little bit more open with that this year, you know, playing guys through foul trouble. But I, I don't he know, like that. in a game – well, he did. But th- 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 that's part of what I'm talking about. You know, Rob's back. He's playing well. You've got a little bit of momentum. I don't think you need to pull him just because he got that second foul in the first half. When you know you're kind of facing an uphill battle, an underdog on the road against Purdue, things need to go right. And like I said, you know, Indiana really lost momentum after that. So, look, yeah, you guys know – I if like Archie, the, but I thought some of the decisions he made at the end of the first half really worked against Indiana keeping the momentum that they had built, and I think that's a shame. I would have liked to see what the game flow would have been like outside of that, but anyway.
2: I don't, I don't disagree with you about his decisions late in the first half at all. I think that he, I'm sure there's mulligans he wants to have on that. Again, though, Finnis, picks up his second. If he picks up his third on the next possession, we're calling Archie Miller an idiot.
0: No, we're not, because we, yeah, I've been we, consistent no, with we, it. no. no, no. No you aren't other people well, are. who cares what the other people are saying that doesn't make it right oh, or wrong what many, many people no, are doing that what, I'm is, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is no it's the process of the decision that matters, not the outcome of it and to me in that point with Rob playing well and you building some momentum, you don't just take him out and if he picks up the foul, fine you know but I'll, maybe I'll he finishes with three fouls. I'll, so, I'll,
2: play, I'll play devil's advocate here. I will say that they built momentum and they were playing pretty well. And maybe that's the time. If you have to sit a guy, everybody else has kind of built some momentum. You're heading in the right direction. I'm trying to get through the thinking. I'm not saying it's right or wrong or whatever. I'm trying to get to the basis of the thinking. Is that hey, we're playing pretty well right now. We can steal some minutes without fantasy. It didn't work out. I agree. And and look, I, that's the problem. I'm don't up.
0: steal minutes. Put your foot on the opponent's throat. Try and extend your lead. That I just to me that mentality. I just don't like. So I'll get off know, of it. Everybody liked. knows. Everybody knows what I think about it. And uh well
1: well, it's it's one thing. I, I think there's there's two schools of thought on that. There's one is go take him out at the when it happens and then figure out if you can find time to put him back in for a little bit. Kind of what he tried to do with Romeo, which also backfired. Um, but I don't necessarily mind taking him out after the play, but having him sit the remainder of the half, given the complete lack of yeah. other options in the backcourt with Romeo also with two fouls. I think that's where it gets a little bit hard to to figure out. Yeah, if
0: you want to he, take just, him out, like give him the awareness, like, hey, you've got two, you know, let's be careful out there and put him back in, something like that. Fine. You're right, Andy.
1: But yeah, I, I don't know. That that was my bigger issue with it was not not the immediate decision, but he was playing well and he was giving and and Justin Smith for you know, as well as he started, I don't know that he had too many points kind of following his his really hot start, but he and Juwan were really the only guys to do much of anything in the first half. I think. If you if you look at other other shooting, I think everybody outside of those two is three of 13 in the first half. And again, they're open shots for the the vast majority.
0: Uh, Any other meaningful moments that you guys have that you want to point out before we dig into a few of the numbers? Do we really have to
2: go into the numbers? No, we do. <laughs> I mean, do. I'm tempted to
0: come up with something just to, just to put on, off having to
2: look at the numbers. But it's no, on, the it's
0: you, on the I'll script. It's on the script. Sugarcoat oh, oh. the stats, I believe, is what it says right here. Yeah. So that's what we'll do next. Uh,
2: it's, look, if you look at the numbers, and, and well, let's just dive into the numbers. I, I The first thing I want to say is you look at the numbers. I'm shocked I you shot 43% from the field. Shocked. I thought it would be in the low 30s. Um that from two, they actually were eighteen of thirty one, which is unbelievable to me that it was that high, uh because it just looked like every shot was contested inside the three point line and and that's the thing we've been talking about this for weeks. If you cannot make open shots, every shot you take inside the three point line, inside the paint is going to be not contested by one person. It's going to be contested by multiple people because they're just collapsing and collapsing and collapsing and leaving that three point line wide open. We saw this with one of Tom Green's teams too. what year was it where they they had no shooters with Noah of 2014 2014 that season was a disaster offensively because nobody could knock down an open shot. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter who the coaches who the player or what team you're on. You can't hit an open shot. It makes defending you really easy because you just. Play off of you know, of the guys and dare them to hit shots. Indiana's got to make shots, and and that's again on the coaching staff to work with these guys on their shooting. And and we've offered many times to come in and, and help shot doctor, but they have. I don't think
1: we. I don't think we've offered that. I think you well, have offered.
2: I've offered that. Yeah, but for for real though, like. It's on everybody to make these guys feel comfortable from three and and start making it. That's the modern game. You've got to knock down shots. You've got to hit open threes. And shooting 20% from three on the road, you're going to lose. I'm sorry. In the Big Ten against a good team, you're going to lose every time you you only hit 20% of your threes. Because the other team's going to do better than that. In the modern game, that's going to happen. And you can talk about, well, the offense isn't producing results and it isn't producing XYZ inside, blah, blah, blah. But if you can't hit an open shot, there's nothing you're gonna be able to do inside the the three point line that's gonna get you good looks. It's just not gonna happen.
1: Well, and I think you saw that from some of the I forget which replay it was. They showed one, it was it wasn't the goal ten from the first half. It was it was in the second half. Just had to slip that in. Um, but but it was a shot from like kind of through the backboard. But you saw, I mean, pretty much every defender on Purdue has a foot in the paint at that point, just daring guys to make shots. And and again, I mean, I'm to, to a certain extent, the fact that I use shot as well as they did from two point range is pretty surprising given how much Purdue was really, really packing it in. But at some point you've got to find ways to, to, to have guys that can make shots or you've got to try to do something different offensively. Cause what they were doing, the, you know, the screens around the top were not really leading to any meaningful shots. in a lot of cases in the first half, I know I, I wrote that down. So so to play offensively the way that they have been doesn't really help. But there was one other stretch that I wanted to touch on, and I don't know what the score was when this happened. It was a little bit into the it was after Wheeler hit the three in the second half. Purdue won a stretch of twelve possessions where they only scored three times and had four turnovers. No, five turnovers. No, actually six turnovers. I'm really good at counting. So turned it over on half their possessions in that stretch. And IU made up four points during that stretch. Like that's a you know, that's a decent chunk of the game. A game that had roughly sixty possessions. That's like twenty percent of the game. That IU had a real opportunity to kind of claw their way back in and never scored on multiple possessions in a row. And Romeo got blocked, he missed he missed two other shots inside. He missed two free throws. Actually got blocked twice, missed two shots inside, and missed two free throws during that stretch. Like that was a chance that at least you can put a little bit of game pressure on. And so while maybe maybe too lengthy of a segment to be a moment even in stretches where, and I, I attribute some of that to produce carelessness at that point, given how much they were ahead, those turnovers to more so than IU's defense. But that was a stretch where, I mean, you give up six points and 12 possessions, you should be able to really chip away more than four points at the lead, where you're just kind of nickel and diamond things to get to a point where you, where you can actually get back in the game. And and so there were even as bad as it seemed in the second half, there were opportunities to get back in the game. And IU never was really able to seize any momentum whatsoever uh, really, once that stretch happened that we touched on in the first half, where you know there were a couple turnovers from Romeo and they scored three straight possessions, like you never had any sense of momentum at any point following that.
0: Uh, The other numbers that I want to point out, Indiana did a better job on the glass. They only gave up eight offensive rebounds to Purdue. It wasn't great, but it was better. And I thought Zach McRoberts, you know, for a lot of the things that he took off the table tonight, I thought he really helped on the defensive glass. He had seven rebounds, you know, was really hustling um, and doing that. His, you know, off, uh, you know, there's a reason why he was minus 20 and that was the biggest on the team because offensively he's just you know, not contributing much, obviously, but he did help on the glass, which was a big problem coming in. And the other guy that I want to talk about real quick is Justin Smith. You know, you talk about why Indiana's two point field goal percentage was good, Ryan. That's because Justin was seven for eight for the day. He was six of seven on his twos. He made that three pointer. He had six boards, but he also had four turnovers. And so what I want to point out about him is I think you look back at the Nebraska game, he was scared to shoot. Like he, well, I don't know if he was scared to shoot or if he didn't have the green light to shoot, you know, one of those, but he was not, he was looking, scared he, to shoot. I I yeah. don't know that that's entirely true. Actually. I'm not sure that he actually had the green light to shoot. Um, and he, cause he wasn't even looking at the basket today. You saw guys like McRoberts, like him and others look at the basket. And I have to think that was a coaching emphasis for them to look at the basket. And he really responded. I thought he was going to have opportunities in this game and he did, and he really took advantage of them. But You know, his efficiency in the half court on possessions when he shot the ball and didn't dribble was like 2.25. On possessions where he took more than one dribble that wasn't just a dribble to get himself in position for a jump shot, he was not good. And so this continues to be the dichotomy of Justin. When he is getting his offense and offensive rebounds as a spot-up shooter, running in transition, as a cutter, he is very efficient. When he tries to do anything off the dribble and create, he really takes Indiana out of its offense And just tries to do things that he hasn't shown himself able to do. So I credit him and the coaching staff, Andy, for kind of shifting up his mindset from the Nebraska game and him being more aggressive looking at the basket. But I think we've still got to prune out some of those just wasted takes where he's trying to do something off the dribble and he just hasn't shown this season that he's capable of it yet.
1: Yeah, I did think I, – I thought he did a lot of good things early and really kept IU in it. You know, the shot fake that they, you know, showed a bunch of times where, you know, really took advantage of the fact that, you know, he had made that corner three earlier, was able to, you know, again, as you said, shot fake, one dribble up, make the shot. Um, I, I did think he played well there. And I think what you bring up with him dribbling, I think it's – that's a point that could be applied to a number of guys. um, And I, I think that – other than Romeo in a lot of cases, and in in some Juwan, the amount of dribbling that doesn't really generate any kind of momentum or lead lead to scoring opportunities is pretty high. I mean, and that was a pretty big, you know, complaint of the Korean era with the, you know, dribble weave out top and all those kinds of things. This team has some of the same issues. It's a lot of dribbling that's not really getting anybody anywhere. Um, and really isn't making the defense move. And when they've moved it with the pass, they had some success. There was another—I forget which play it was—but you know, Jim Jackson even said he's like the ball movement was substantially better on that possession. It led to an open shot. There's just too much meaningless dribbling that isn't getting you closer to the rim, isn't trying to get you downhill. It doesn't really make the defense do anything um, to to react. And uh, you know, so I think that's a comment that you're probably rightly putting on Justin, but I think one that could very easily be attributed to any number of other guys on the roster because the dribbles just aren't forcing, you know, anything you do offensively should be in an an effort to make the defense react to whatever it is. And there are too many dribbles in a lot of these possessions that don't really force the defense to do anything. And some of that is the defense not respecting guys to be actually, you know, pull up and make shots, but otherwise, you know, it's just not aggressive movement in, in a number of cases.
0: Devontae Green also three turnovers in 14 minutes. He was This was one of his worst games of the season today. Ryan, anything you want to say to close out here? No, I'm good. We're done.
1: I think we got Jared to not talk about stats very much, so that did work, Ryan. So that's a positive uh, to take from... Uh,
0: classic take deflection. From, <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, coming up on the Assembly Call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Purdue. We've got to talk more about Romeo. We've got to talk more about Jawan. Indiana's leaders. We will talk about their days coming up here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. What's next? You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU Hoops fans are subscribed. It will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. Again, You can get that at assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's disappointing 15-point road loss to Purdue today. Ryan, I want to talk about Romeo Langford to start. Now, you know, stating the obvious to say this was his worst game of the season. 4 Easily. points, 2 of 10 overall, you know, only one assist, three rebounds, dealt with some foul trouble so only played 22 minutes. Also had the three turnovers. Two observations that I had today and I want to see if these fly with with what you guys thought. I thought number 1, to me this was the first time I thought Romeo was really kind of forcing it and trying to do a little bit too much. Now, granted, I think he needed to drive to the basket and and we need some of that from him. But I thought more than I've ever seen him, he really got tunnel vision when he was driving that, not even when he was driving, but when he got the ball, I'm getting it and going to try to get points. And there is a fine line between he's got to step up and assert himself and go get points and not completely be a black hole with the basketball to where it doesn't involve other players. Because I actually thought today... The offense really seemed to function better when Romeo wasn't on the court. And I don't, you know, I think part of that is just, you know, he's such a talented player and you can rely on him in one on one situations to just go get you a bucket. It's pretty easy when he gets the ball for other guys to just stand around. When the plays didn't involve Romeo, I thought the ball movement was better. I thought, you know, you just saw more action. Guys seemed a little bit more involved. And so this is not – I don't necessarily mean this as a criticism on Romeo, although I do think, you know, the fact that he wasn't really driving with his eyes up at anything but the basket creates that. But I think it's, in some ways, a natural – kind of outgrowth of just the way that this offense has gone where it's like we're getting so comfortable that Romeo can just take guys and go get a bucket that people you know the offense kind of stops when he gets the ball there and so I think that's something that we've got to be careful about because not only does it make us predictable but it just gets I think the offense out of rhythm
2: yeah I think that's fair and and I think that there's no question Romeo was shook today yeah. This is not the guy we've seen, the confident. And, and again, he's not a an overly talkative, overly uh, emotional guy on the court, but he's always got this calm demeanor and he's got this sort of almost like an assassin sort of demeanor, just very calm, heart rate doesn't change, which is good and bad because sometimes you want to see the emotion out of guys. But with him today, you saw him really getting frustrated and really looking to the officials and things like that. And I'm sorry if you're Romeo Lankford and you are who you are, and you're this good, and you're going to be a lottery pick. You can't have days like today, especially when a team counts on you as much as IU does, and you, you just can't show up like that. And I, I you know, people uh, on Twitter were talking about, well, is he even a team leader? Well, he's he's 19. He's not going to be a, a team leader in the classic sense. He's going to be a guy who leads by his play,
0: and who. But he's an, you know, an offensive leader, whether he wants to be or not, and that's. Would you let me, you know? Okay, just right, cutting sorry. me off—it's so rude. Doesn't I, it stink I would when someone that interrupts thing. you? I would never do
2: that to you. Uh, no, but I, I think that, yeah, no, he leads in different ways. And what I was going to say is he leads by giving other guys confidence by the way he's playing. And that's where his leadership comes from. It's sort of leading the way as opposed to being a, you know, rah-rah, get-in-a-huddle, pump-guys-up way. It's it's by example. And you can't have days like today. Now I realize, again, Romeo's thing is driving. and And, and when the entire key is filled with all five opposing players it's tough but if you're going to be a lottery pick and you're going to be that guy you've got to be able to overcome that and find ways to get to score find ways to get buckets and then not let it affect you on the defensive end we saw him today he didn't airball that three i know people were saying he airballed. i think it hit the underside of the rim and then he walked back down on defense and carson edwards he let carson edwards get one off right in his face and that's that was the end of the game for me. I mean, I Purdue was up by a decent amount, but I mean, that was right there. It's like, okay, well, there's there's nothing left for this team. And so Lankford, we all know he's insanely talented. We all know the reasons why he's special, and he is special, But and guys do have bad games. It just happens. But at the same time, you can't do that on the road and expect to be successful. We need R- Romeo Lankford to play well in this situation and he did not and he's going to need to play well against Northwestern. He's going to need to start to go back to sort of hitting some open threes and also we've seen him close out games with strong stretches. He needs to do that earlier and 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 I've talked about that for a while. I think he and Morgan need to be guys who step up in the beginning of games. If these things are going off the rails early, they need to step up and do something and uh, if everybody else is flat, they can't be and and, and I know Look, the, the slow starts and, the, and the, the long stretches where nothing goes right are on everybody. Coaches, players, everybody. But your stars do need to step up and stem the tide at some point in those situations. And, and if they want to be stars, if they want to be considered stars, if you want to be all Big Ten, if you want to be on a winning team, if you want all these things, you have to take it on yourself and step up and make plays when things aren't going right. And that's something we haven't seen them do necessarily all the time. We see Romeo make plays and be a fantastic player throughout games, of course. But sometimes it needs to happen when it needs to happen. You know, when when the chips are down, you need your guys to step up. And um, I think that that's something I want to see more from him. If I have any complaints about him as a player, that's it. And, you know, it's funny because late in the game, he seems to have a lot of confidence shooting the ball from three up until today. And just firing from any angle or whatever, but then early in the game you don't see that from him. So I just I think that he needs to have that killer mentality
0: from the jump in games. And I think Juwan Morgan does too. Yeah, it's not even stepping up when the chips are down, it's stepping up when the chips are even so they don't get down. You know, that's no, part that's of the problem. So is sometimes mean, the guys don't get going until we're already down and there's desperation. And that's yeah, no, and, and I guess we're you no know way I to win consistently.
2: You know you've been having struggling starts. That means you can't do that. You cannot let things just sort of go. I mean, I would love to see on a first possession of the game, just have Morgan do a run a pick and roll with Lankford and just every time just run it. Prove to us you can stop that. And it's two of the best players in the Big Ten. Prove to us you can stop that. When you can, we'll, you know, move to something else. But I think it's also worth noting that one of the best parts about pick and roll is. Well, what happens when you run a pick and roll and and I know this is a little inside basketball, but when when you run a pick and roll, the best way to stop it is for other people to help, not the two defenders involved with the pick and roll. I mean, the surest way to stop is for other people to help. That leaves guys wide open on the perimeter. That's where a lot of IU's wide open threes come from. You got to be able to hit those. I mean, you just do have to be able to hit those. So again, uh, really need to be able to to hit those threes to help out. Morgan and Langford as well, Andy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think when you talk about, I, I there's a, a lot of things to hit on, uh, you know, the first, and I, and I mentioned this before, I th- the thing that bothered me the most with Langford today was not missing shots. It was the body language after they didn't go down and asking the referees for calls and not getting, not getting back on defense because of some of those things. Um, and I don't, I wouldn't say we've seen a ton of that from him this year, very little, um, I would say, but it, it definitely, and part of that maybe is the crowd and the free throw shooting. He'd gotten so much better, uh, of late really struggled whether how much, if any of that is due to, you know, the crowd being all over him and things like that. I don't really know. Did he put more pressure on himself? It doesn't really matter. Um, it, it just was, you know, that stretch in the first half, as we talked about, in addition to the beginning was what really felt like it swung the game. And at some point, whether vocal or not, there have to be more guys who just say, "I'm not going to give up this basket on this possession to to turn the game." and i'm and I just don't think there's enough of that. I thought there were stretches in the first half when Juwan just tried to put the whole team on his back, and nobody else could do anything. And then you see the toll that seems to take on him by the end, where he's just completely gassed. And then, you know, maybe that's why he was out at the end of the first half. Who knows? But I think the burden of of that is weighing heavily on him right now, which you're the senior, you're the team captain. I get it. That's part of the gig. Um, but I do think that's that's difficult. And then to go back to your point about the beginning of the game, I mean I use first handful of possessions are, you know, Juwan missed a three on the first possession that I think was off like a pick and pop scenario. I may be wrong about that. Romeo missed a three on the next possession. Uh, the next possession, finnissy missed a three, Justin got a put back. The next possession I think was another missed three. Um, that was by fantasy again, and maybe I'm, maybe I missed one here and there, but I mean, that's, you know, it, it's not the, while we said, you know, on the show, like, yeah, there's probably opportunities to take more threes. Actually, the, the fourth possession was a Romeo turnover. I think that was on the, um, on the offensive foul, you know, that was really the only aggressive play in the first five, because then you had fantasy miss a three and then you had him get, get called on the offensive foul where, you know, seven foot three guy, Plays defense by throwing himself on the ground. Um, but I mean, that's not a lot of aggressive play coming out of the shoot. I mean, m- maybe the threes, some of the threes were not terrible shots, but that mentality coming out of, you know, kind of settling in that scenario for the exact, exact shots that Purdue wants you to take, all the while, you know, Purdue Edwards drives to the basket. Travion Williams hook shot in the paint where he, you know, just kind of bullied Juan, which I get. You're trying not to, not to foul. You know, then Klein makes a three on an inbounds play that, you know, nobody really covered it at all. Um, you know, where he's almost at the three point line. Um, you know, Edwards makes a, a pull up jumper. You know, most of those were aggressive plays or other scenarios like that. And I think this team just whether it's the the you know, mounting of these poor starts, which really outside of the Maryland game has been a constant drumbeat on the season, but it seems like their response to that is to not be as aggressive out of the shoot, which is feels like the exact opposite of what you'd want to do to be able to do that. And then you kind of start being unaggressive and then you're playing on your heels from there because you're, you're, you know, seven, eight, nine points down by the time you get to the first media timeout.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about Juwan. And this might be kind of an odd statement to make, but Juwan did enough to, he did enough individually to contribute to a winning effort against Purdue, right? 14 points, six boards, five assists, three blocks, three steals. He had some really important moments in the first half when we got down 11-2. to What settled us down? Juwan, he wasn't getting it in the post. He just went and got it at the top of the key, found a cutting Justin Smith, then made a three on the next possession. Two plays that really settled us in. When we went up in the first half, he had scored six straight points. He had some of those stretches but the irony is it was a good effort, but it's not good enough. Like because of the limitations on this team, he has to be even better in a game like this for Indiana to win. And in some ways, that's unfair to him. In other ways, it's the burden of a senior and it's the burden of this roster. Obviously, you know, doing better than one for five from the line, doing better than one for four from downtown. And the other thing is, I mean he just he looks tired. And especially, you know, in the second half and for stretches. And it's it is a little bit harder. You know, you look at Purdue, they have a guy like Carson Edwards that when things go bad, he can just go get the ball and create something. For us, when things go bad, our best offense is to settle things down and get it to Juwan, but he needs his teammates to help him. You know, he's got to get the ball in a good position. He can't just go take it at the top of the key and create something for the most part, because he doesn't have that athletic ability. He's not a guard. And that puts us and puts him in some difficult situations where you know he'll have a good stretch, and then you know you'll go two, three, four possessions where he doesn't get the ball, like in the first half when Romeo had those turnovers. He doesn't get touches, and the game starts to get away from you a little bit. So, you know, Ryan, I think you know Jawan did a lot of good things today, but he's got it. You know, it's it's the burden of this team. He's got to be even better, and and somehow. You know I don't know what it is if it's trying to get him some defensive possessions or it doesn't have to bang as much if he just needs to get in better shape if it, whatever it is he's just getting tired and we saw this well, last year too and It's also a tough matchup against a 7 It team. is. No, it's an impossible. our 6-7 center teams. is banging against six ten. Yeah. I know. I know. That's I what think, I mean. I think harms
2: is I think harms is largely a stiff. I I really don't think he's that good. Uh he moves pretty well for his size. I think that's the best you can say about him and and he gets oh he get you know is able to slip screens and stuff and get open but he's basically just tall and 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 that's that's his talent is that he's tall and uh good for him he's he's found a way to use that to his advantage but you know i don't think harms is is some devastating post guy that's really going to tear you up but he's big and so Jawan can't just go over him he had to go side to side he had to find he had to pick his spots and uh that's that's tough but the one thing you got to say about Juwan though One for five from the free throw line. He's been good lately. And and this whole team, by the way, have been doing much better at the free throw line over the last few weeks. Just abandoned them today. And some of those misses for Juwan came at key moments. Where it's just just, you'd slump your shoulders like, oh, God, come on, make your free throws. And, you know, uh, again, the fact that the paint was packed in and Juwan was able to grab four offensive rebounds, I'm still not sure how he did that. Because it was
0: usually one on four. Well, as Jim Jackson said at one point in the first half, it just seems like Jawan Morgan wants it more, and he, you know, he can't sustain that, but he's got spurts of that in him, and they usually come at important times.
2: But I mean, look, you know, you look at the stat line. If you didn't watch the game, you look at the stat line: fourteen points, six rebounds, five assists, three steals, three blocks, only two turnovers. Considering how much he had the ball, you're like, wow, uh, you know, that's a really uh, a good game across the board. And yeah, it was a good game. That's they need way more than that, considering what we got from everybody else today. And and that's the real problem is that he needs help. And, you know, there are times where there was one time he found McRoberts. He got doubled. He found McRoberts wide open from three. And Zach just he you know, I'm good for Zach to make some shots late. Maybe that builds some confidence. But he found McRoberts. I mean, there's nobody on that half of the floor and he caught the ball and shot just an awful three and, and I mean, it was the right shot to take, but he just, he, you could clear rose up with no confidence. And it's like, there just has to be somebody else on this team who steps up. Somebody else has to step up and somebody has to be able to make an open shot. And you, you recruited a guy like, for example, Demise Anderson. I think that Archie wants Demise to get in the game. That's why. And you see the limitations he has today. He definitely His first did. play, he didn't know what they were doing on the out-of-bounds yeah. play. Yeah, and you see the limitations. Again, a, yeah. a, a freshman who's not a top 50 recruit is going to have some growing pains and limitations. And he has limitations. But the one thing he can do is shoot, and that we know he can do is shoot. And so you can tell that's probably why Archie's been saying publicly, yeah, we're going to try and get him in the game more. Clifton Moore, they tried to get him in the game more. The reason why? Because he's tall and has length, and that's something we're missing right now uh, with all the injuries. So I, he, just somebody else has to step up, and, and and whether that's Rob Finnessy, whether that's Justin Smith getting more of a green light from three, whether that's uh, Demesey, whoever it is, somebody else has to step up to help those guys because like Morgan and, 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 and Langford simply can't do it all on their own. I know neither one of them had their best game today, but you're on the road against Purdue, which is a good team that's been playing really well, you need to step up. And by the way, the coaching needs to be better too. I mean, you know, he needs to, to yeah. find the right spots to bring in a guy like Demezi or Clifton or whoever else. And I mean, honestly, given what I've seen from Deron Davis so far, I, I, I think they're going to have to have a serious conversation about shutting him down for a few weeks and let him just get fully healthy. I, yeah. I, like he just doesn't move well right now. I, I God bless him for trying. I really for 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 getting out there and trying to tough it out, but he's not ready to be back. So you know, all of this stuff, what we have to what, what I think the ultimate answer here is is that this team needs to find a shooter that can knock down open shots and spread the floor and put pressure on that defense to spread out and give Juwan Morgan and Romeo Langford for the one-on-one
0: opportunities that they need. To, yeah. to and look, the bottom line, in one respect today, what's Romeo averaging on the season? 19 points? He scored four. If he gets yeah. his average, there's your 15 points right there. So, you know, some things happen today that you need to happen on the road. You need a role guy to step up. Justin Smith scored 15. You need another guy to make a few key plays. Rob Finnessy had eight points. If Romeo just has a normal game, Indiana's right there in this. And this was a really... Inopportune time for him to have his most disengaged and I thought just you know struggling performance for lack of a better term. Andy, last word on this, and then let's go to the final segment.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't have anything else to add on that. This team isn't doesn't have enough and doesn't doesn't have enough to be able to survive a performance like that from Romeo or Juwan had it, you know, been, you know, had Romeo scored as many as Juwan did and it went, you know, Juwan the opposite, like they're not going to survive that scenario. I, I do think, you know, you guys quickly referenced Demezi and Clifton playing more. You didn't see Fitzner today at all. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, if you, if you want to look at why these guys aren't playing, I like that and I texted you guys this during the game. I mean, I like that Archie didn't yank demezi after, you know, didn't, didn't know what they were doing on the inbounds play really got bullied on the defensive end and he left them in to try to play through it. And I get it. And I like that. Um, And I think that's what people want. But, but at the same time, you've got to understand if that's what you're going to clamor for, that that's, what's going to happen. These guys, if you want these guys to play mistakes, you're going to, you're going to be able to watch and see why they haven't gotten more minutes when everybody's pounding the table to see why they haven't played more, which ultimately goes back to the coaching staff knows. Now they also seem to realize now they've got to make some changes because what, what is happening is not working Um, so I'm glad to see that happen and it not just be talking about playing these guys more and actually doing it. But again, you know, Clifton Moore makes a drop step toward the baseline. He's got a layup and he forced a you know, eight foot jump hook because that's what he's comfortable with. And that's what he feels like he can do in the game, you know, and, and Demezy, you know, gives up, you know, easy post position, gives up an offensive rebound, the same guy that takes a shot immediately after not run the right inbounds play like you're going to see why these guys don't play and so it's fine so it can't it also can't turn into like i really wanted to see these guys play and then the next thing everybody's jumping on twitter saying they need to pull this guy's scholarship which i'm sure happened on the assembly call account today which thankfully i was not running um so i wasn't, you, I
0: wasn't looking i was much more disciplined today
1: you got to, i mean but you got to look at it both ways you, you can ask for these guys to play but be prepared be prepared to see why they weren't playing in the first place. And if you want to give them rope and give them rope and hope they can figure it out and ultimately look back on it later after the season. Um, So in some ways, credit to Archie for giving those guys an opportunity and not having a quick hook. Um, But they also didn't really give you a whole lot when they were in the game today for as much as everybody wanted them to play. Um, So, you know, it remains to be seen how much they're able to build on that, what that means for Fitzner. Does he, you know, kind of rebound from this and get minutes? I don't think this was a particularly, you know, good matchup for him for the most part, just in terms of the physicality of the game. We've kind of talked about that a little bit. Maybe he can pull guys away from the basket. You know, but I thought Juwan early did a good job of getting Travion Williams in foul trouble. He'd been really uh, impactful for Purdue, but wasn't a guy that was going to be able to guard a guy like Juwan. that can put the ball on the floor and go to the basket. So he did a good job with that, but then, you know, then he turned to harms. who's a little bit more mobile. Um, and, and, and you know, presents a little bit more of a challenge to shoot over. So that, that was a much to, uh, nicer
0: way to describe Matt Harms than what than what Ryan. Did. Well, I he's had a lot of. Much I more mean, charitable. Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> again, he, yeah. he,
1: well, he might be, but he's six of eight from the floor. If you told me that I, you could bring a guy off the bench that could make six of eight shots, you'd be pretty damn excited about it. Yeah, so.
2: I'd love it. Uh, no, I, I, the Matt Harms what the I the way
1: he chooses <laughs> to play defense and act like he got hit by a truck every time there's physical contact on him. I could do without, but the I mean, here's, here's but the, the thing about Matt Harms. being able to cut to the basket and actually finish. I, here's, I could here's, live the with. Thing,
2: here's the thing about Matt Harms, he's seven foot three and has figured out how to use that to his advantage. God bless him, he but. I just, he's, he doesn't have a whole lot of discernible basketball skill. That's what I mean. When I say a stiff, he's, he's just a big tall guy who can catch the ball an inch from the hoop. of it. if we had a guy who could do that, I'd be fired up. I'm not, I'm not ripping him for that. I just don't think he's got a whole lot of basketball skill. Now he's making it work for him. God bless him. But I, you know, it's not one of those guys you go into the game and you're like, Oh man, we really got to shut down harms. Like you just, no, you just kind of bump him off the block and he, you know, he's, he, he rolls to the up. basket unimpeded
1: for a dunk. Yeah, we yeah. saw that. He weighs about today. he weighs Numerous about four times.
2: pounds, and the stiff breeze will blow him over. But you know he can dunk it. So, uh, but no, wait, I, I would love to have a seven foot three guy who would just get in the way. That would be fantastic.
1: Why am I arguing in favor of this guy? We need to go I to a break.
2: No I have no <laughs> idea
0: what you're doing. Way to lose with class, Phillips to lose with class He's a right. stiff, but he did well today good job All right, coming, coming up in our final segment we hand out our game ball hit any other storylines we haven't hit and then in last call we'll deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's loss to Purdue you've entered the no sugar coating zone stick with us here on the assembly call are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips, and we are wrapping up our disappointed and frustrated and slightly exasperated uh, post game show here, talking about the Purdue loss. Indiana loses by 15 at Mackey Arena, um, guys. It's time to hand out some game balls. Um, I'll just I'll jump in and go first uh, uh, with this, and I'm giving mine to Jawan Morgan um, for a lot of the reasons that I mentioned before. You know, I thought he had some stretches in the first half when Indiana really needed someone to step up, and he was that guy. And I think he he did enough, if, if enough other guys had stepped up, to contribute to a winning effort um, today in Mackie Arena. It wasn't Indiana lost by 15, um, you know, but on a day when there weren't a ton of indi- individual performances that stood out. You know, Justin Smith's is maybe another one that you could argue for, but I didn't think defensively he was as locked in as we've seen him. Um, and so I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give the edge to Juwan. He gets my game ball. Andy, who gets yours?
1: Uh, I mean, it's, I, I think it's kind of those two guys or the, those are really the only options. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll lean Juwan as well. I think just if you look across the total stat line and, and felt at least for the the longest stretches of the game, the guy who I said, you know, somebody's gonna stand up and say, Hey, I'm not giving up a bucket here. But um I, I yeah, I don't know that you could argue with either of those two guys, but it's definitely I, I'd struggle to think of a third option.
2: Well, you're both wrong. It's Justin Smith. Uh, because when things are going poorly in the beginning, I mean, I would have been down 25 if not for Justin Smith early in the game. So, there's the only reason it was a game heading into half or you know, as we approached halftime was because of Justin Smith. I thought, uh, I thought that he knocked out some shots. I thought it was great to see seven of eight from the field. He knocked down a three. He did miss two free throws later in the game with 15.6 rebounds. He did have the four turnovers late, but a couple of those were. One of them uh, was a pass that he just never really possessed and they gave him the turnover for it. Uh, And and, you know, he was trying to force some things late to make some things happen. So I don't really hang those turnovers on him too badly. Um, But I I thought that his performance, A, for what it means for this team, that he is getting more confidence offensively with his jumper and with some other things, I think it's huge uh, because they're going to need him. And B, I just thought that, if not for him early in the game, the game would have been over before it even began.
0: Yeah. Um, honorable mention to Rob Finnessy, you know, for coming back and, and being productive with his minutes too. You know, they, those three guys were really the the top players for Indiana today. And And you're right, Ryan. I mean, it was... If this can be a breakout game for Justin, I, mean, I thought there were a lot of reasons pointing to him having a good game. Purdue just doesn't have a great matchup for him, and he was able to do some of the things. And I'll tell you the other thing that I really liked about his game is he really ran hard in transition, and I think he seems to recognize how good he is in transition, where he is literally in the 98th, 99th percentile in terms of finishing and transition. The alley-oop pass that Romeo made to him was gorgeous. The finish was gorgeous. He had another play in the first half. Where he he got out ahead of everybody in transition, and he received the ball behind the three point line, but did a really nice job of stepping through and forcing Purdue to foul him. So his confidence and assertiveness in transition is really helping too, and that that's nice to see. And if he can add the mid range jump shot and the three point jump shot to hit to that, he could maybe be that elusive third guy that we kind of hoped he would be coming into the season, because um, Indiana obviously needs that. Any other individuals, any other elements of this game that we haven't hit yet that you guys want to get to? I feel, you know, we haven't talked a lot about Al Durham. It was nice having him out there. And he probably does warrant some mention. He had eight points, four boards, four assists. I thought he was aggressive. I think really he,
2: aggressive he, rebounding. I thought
0: he he did, that and was he was aggressive. You know, driving in, and a couple times he didn't get calls. You know, he was able to go to the line, and kudos to him because he made three of four. You know, it was a bad free throw shooting day, but Al and Rob stepped up and we were six of seven, so it wasn't because of them. Um, and and Al probably you know warranted mention earlier in the show. You know, he was injured. Archie said that he was able to practice um, yesterday. It's nice to get him out there, and I, I'll tell you what I, I feel like we've seen from him last few games is matchups like this that used to swallow him whole I think he's doing a much better job of staying in the game finding ways to contribute finding ways to battle the physicality and assert himself some and so I was I was impressed I thought he did some positive things with his minutes out there Andy
1: Uh, yeah I I did too I mean I I think everybody came into the game not really knowing what if anything you were going to be able to get out of him Uh, and, and I thought he performed well coming off the bench as a you know, when you're bringing him in for a McRoberts, if you, if, you know, that's who he's subbing for, he definitely gives you a little bit different look. Um, but I thought he was aggressive uh, on the drives, had four assists as well and no turnovers. So in a game that I, you know, struggled to kind of create, you know, looks for other people, um, you know, he was one of the guys. He and Jawan had, you know, nine of the 12 assists um, for the team. So I thought I was relatively impressed with him. And I think you, you know, it kind of matches a little bit of, you know, the, the eye test with him, I guess, just in terms of his, his efficiency. I mean, you know, over the course of the season, his offensive rating is, is over a hundred at the, you know, almost one Oh five, um, at this point, which is, which is really pretty solid, um, for a guy who, you know, is, is likely to be your fourth, fifth option. I think there are, you know, plenty of games. If you say, Hey, I get Al Durham to chip in eight points, four rebounds four assists, you're going to feel if those are performances and i think that's what you look at it from this game this is you know maybe where the, the the sugar coating begins you know if you get performances like this from justin and from al like those are things to build on for those guys the problem is this team can't afford the margin for error is really slim based on the way that they're playing based on the way the offense is is performing uh, and quite frankly based on the way the defense is performing that had really been a calling card earlier in the season just isn't a lot of margin for error so while that's a great you know, complimentary performance from him. You know, there's too little, you know, other guys did too little. Uh, I, you alluded to Devonte a little bit. I, I thought he had a, a, a pretty poor game. I mean, he made the one driving layup, had a couple rebounds, but three turnovers was credited with a couple blocks. I thought it was a really down game, um, for him as it was maybe a chance to kind of slip back into that. You know, can he be the a, a change of pace guy off the bench that can provide some scoring and some things like that? Um, was a a difficult performance for him today. And again, one where, you know, he, for for the game, used 21% of the possessions. Like, that's just not a good recipe uh, for IU. And I thought, really struggled at times when he was charged with defending Edwards. I thought he he struggled to contain him. And those one, he just, I mean, just literally drove right by him. Uh, and I know it was at the end. I think it was the one that Edwards missed the dunk on. But, I mean, just I stood there and let him drive right by, so... I thought he I thought he really struggled. So if you're just, gonna let
0: him drive by you.
1: Yeah. Every, we have, if ever there was a, a game for that quote, this was uh this was it. But um, you know, I I, I think we've hit on everybody else. You know, Duran, I think they tried to get him some minutes, but it, he's just still physically out there. I'd I'd almost be in favor at this point of just let the guy rest and get right. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with Williams, he was a little bit of a better matchup where his, you know, lack of mobility because of the injury is not as big of a deal, but um you know he keeps trying to kind of plug him in for a few minutes here and there. And I'm just not sure that's doing anything well,
0: by the way, the, the chat mob is very adamant that Justin Smith was the game ball. So they are, they're, they're disappointed in the electoral college voting here that the popular vote did not win. What out. do you know? The people no, are with me, and, and no, the worst I'm, part of I'm all sorry, that- I'm sticking with, I'm sticking with Juwan. I thought Justin was great, I thought, I thought Juwan did more overall in this game. Man of I the would people. Agree. Doesn't make just, Justin had more highlight plays and more plays that stood out, but I thought Juwan overall did more little things that could have potentially contributed to a win if other guys had stepped up. So I'm going to stick with my vote, Andy, but I do want to give you one more opportunity to change it if you want to.
1: I'm going to stick with mine and even go so far as to chastise people who've done this because now look at what you've done to Ryan. And that's really the worst part of all of it. I can handle the disagreement. I can respect your opinion. (laughs) What I cannot handle is the fact that he now feels empowered and emboldened by your support of his selection. This this might signal a turnaround.
0: I want you to all think about what you've done. This This might signal an important turnaround in the Ryan chat mob relationship, which was very frosty for a little while. But this might this might signal a turnaround. You were so just things. making that
2: up to make yourself feel better. No,
0: that was that was in there. There are messages that prove it. Um, I'm I'm. Can we skip the Northwestern preview? I don't feel like looking yeah. ahead right now. We're going to talk about it on Banner Monday, which we're going to do on Tuesday again this week because of the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. So that'll be on Tuesday. The Northwestern game is Tuesday, right?
1: Uh, yes, it is. It will still take place on Tuesday. I believe it's a nine o'clock. I believe it's a nine o'clock tip. I mean. North- Northwestern has they've had some close, uh, you know, close losses. So, you know, no game in the Big Ten is easy. But yeah, it's a nine o'clock tip, I believe, Eastern time.
0: By the way, Chad says, Ryan, bring up Morgan's bad slip screen D. Yes, Morgan got beat on some slip screens. Yep. Justin also got didn't communicate with Romeo on one play where Klein got an open three, got lost a couple times, and let Grady Eifert get rebounds on him and get open threes. So for every mistake Morgan had on defense, Justin did too. So I don't yeah, to me, just- those things kind of even out.
2: And and we've talked about this before is that if one guy misses an assignment, it makes everybody look bad. So we don't really know necessarily. I mean, you have to go back and watch the film to, to, to see like, was it actually his fault or was he overcompensating for somebody else or whatever? But yeah, no, it was just bad. It was just bad all day. I mean, there, there really weren't, you know, it wasn't just one guy having a rough day, but yeah. uh, Harm slipped a bunch of screens on Morgan and and had dunks on him. That's how he was
0: getting those points. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, Joan wasn't perfect by any means. No. Um, okay, let's go to last call. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order who's your proud at homefieldapparel.com. But right now until the end of the night on Sunday, you get 30% at homefieldapparel.com when you use the promo code ACrivalry. 30%. So go there, get your TriBlend fleece sweatshirt. Andy, do you want to you want to pop the collar a little bit and show people?
1: Uh, I don't want to do that because I'm afraid that uh, Coach Tonsoni will bench me in any kind of scenario as his stance on um, popping uh, popping the collar, popping the shirt is well known at this point.
0: It is. It is. Okay. So don't do that, but just know that it's a great sweatshirt and you should get it. And if you go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code ACRIVARY, you can get it for 30% off. Okay, uh, let's go to last call. Closing statements on another disappointing loss, uh, road loss, another disappointing loss overall, and another disappointing loss to Purdue. So a disappointing Saturday afternoon for the Hoosiers. Andy, why don't you lead us off?
1: Yeah, the, the four-game losing streak is never, never ideal. That goes without saying. It's just, it's funny to look back at how each each individual loss has kind of been its own its own thing and has. Um, you know, they've each been kind of frustrating in their own in their own way, and I think a signal of some definite challenges and some different definite things that this team is is really struggling with and I think you can start to see in a game like today as it really started to get away from them early in the second half um, how much of a toll it seems to be taking on on them that being said, they've got to find a way, whether that be coaches, players, whoever is is you know, leading the program right now has to, has to find a way to dig back out of this because um, there won't just be a layup to be had on the schedule. And we've talked about that and beaten that to death at this point. So they've got to find a way to, you know, kind of motivate themselves and, and get back up off the mat, which I think we all hoped for today and didn't really see at the beginning of the game, saw in the middle of the first half and, and then really didn't see, as you said, for you know maybe the last 24 minutes where they really just struggled to gain momentum Um, And really be able to string together good possessions defensively and offensively at the same time that even when they were getting stops against Purdue, they weren't able to score enough. Um, And it's, you know, two straight games where you scored under 60 points, you know, 55 or less in in two straight. And even, um, you know, the Michigan game only scored 63. Michigan gets a lot of credit for that from a defensive standpoint. Um, And on a per possession basis, that game certainly wasn't bad. Um, but this is two straight that really struggled. And, and the, uh, the book is out on IU right now. Guys are just going to dare people to make shots, um, and, and help off of everybody. Um, quite frankly, and, and keep putting the paint and, and force IU to prove that they can make shots. They're going to have to figure out either ways to change something offensively with how they want to get the looks in the lane that they want, or they've got to figure out some guys that can start consistently making shots or some actions that are you know, freeing up shots for them that they want because, um, you know doing what they've done the last two games isn't going to cut it against um you know against good competition and so tuesday becomes a real uh, potential turning point as you get into the the big 10 season and they've got to find a way to get this win against northwestern it's a it's a winnable game um despite how iu has been playing um but if they don't get it you're really you know Staring down uh, a pretty lengthy losing streak, if you if you can't find a way to get this one, so you know maybe one game is all it takes to get the momentum. Um, maybe it maybe it'll take more than that, but it's got to start there because um, just just not getting enough uh, on the whole from from the team at this point, and they've got to figure out how to dig their way out of it.
0: Great chat, Bob, comment. Someone just came in and said, you guys are still here? You're still talking about this loss? The players are already playing Fortnite. I mean, you know, Andy and I would have been out here a long time ago, but Ryan has just wanted to keep this going on and on, so that, that's why we're still here.
1: Ryan, got to get in our requisite uh, quota of sugarcoating, as they say. Yeah, so, that's right. You know, yeah.
2: Got to get that in. We're getting paid, so, you know, we got to we gotta overdo it. Um, no, what I would say, I guess my last call here would just be that this team needs to come together and figure out. And when I say team, I mean top to bottom: coaches, players, managers. Everybody needs to come together and sort of have a come to Jesus moment and be like, you know, what do we want to be this year? What what kind of a team do we want to be? And and realize that it's not just about effort; it's about being smart. It's about being balanced. It's about being, you know, in this for each other. It's not just individuals going out and well, I did my job. Where's yours? And I don't think that we have kids like that on this team, but I think that it's worth noticing that these guys need to be able to communicate better on the floor. We saw a lot of defensive lapses today because they, there was no communication. They need to communicate. They need to uh, be able to, you know, attack the defense and, and have confidence in each other that they can each, you know, have confidence in each other that they can all succeed offensively. And that means hitting shots. That means, you know, making your free throws when you get the opportunities. I mean, they have to be confident that in each other or they're going to fail or they're going to feel like, Oh, I've got to force a shot because nobody else is going to do it. Um, and I think that it's just, there's a lot of awareness that needs to happen, particularly among the leaders. If we're, if we're counting Romeo as a leader. We're counting Joanna as a leader. Those guys need to have awareness of when they need to step up and, and maybe put the hammer down a little, a little quicker. Um, but yeah, just a really, really tough game to watch today. And, and I think we all feel the same way about it, but, uh, hopefully they can, sort of get well against Northwestern. I, I mean, that's not a, that's not certainly not a walkover game. There just aren't any in the Big Ten this year. So uh, hopefully this team can come together and figure something out for that.
0: You know, on the one hand, if you wanted to look at what has happened recently with this team and, and just kind of look at it objectively, you could say that five of Indiana's losses have come to teams in the top 17 in Kenpom. You know, all games that, quote-unquote, you know, Indiana should have lost, right, or could have lost. And so you could say that, you know, and and that's fine. The problem is the last two have been by 15 and you've been totally non-competitive in the second half. And, you know, even though the losses and the metrics kind of keep getting worse with each loss, even more than that is just kind of what this team looks like. And 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 I said this earlier, you know... What allows you to overcome injuries? What allows you to overcome poor shooting nights? What allows you to still go out and grind yourself into the game anyway, whether you win it or lose it? What allowed Indiana to do it even earlier in the season? You know, is an an esprit de corps, a, a, a togetherness, a chemistry, a cohesion of purpose that right now this team just doesn't seem to have. And I think, you know, that the responsibility for that goes up and down the line from the coaches to the leaders, as you guys said. And so, you know, Archie Miller talked on the pregame show about, you know, how they really tried to get back to, you know, communication and intensity and having that blue-collar work ethic. It's a sign of where we are that kind of one of the standards for success today was just to see the team come out and play hard again, play with effort after what we saw against Nebraska, but that's kind of where we are. We saw some of that, but not enough. And so as you guys said, this is really a time to dig deep, really a time for this team to figure out what the rest of the season is going to be because they have dealt with challenges, and I think those are baked in to some of the losses. But what we've seen over the last two games especially goes beyond injuries, and it goes beyond the bad shooting, and it goes beyond the other stuff. This just, the team feels a little bit rudderless right now. And I don't know exactly what the answer is going to be, But I don't think it's a specific tactical thing that they can do. I don't think there's, you know, you got to play this guy more than that guy. This team just has to come together. And sometimes going through tough times like this can steal your resolve and bring you together. And other times it can break you apart. Right now, the team seems to be cracking more than we all would like. And I think they've got to find some kind of galvanizing event, some kind of galvanizing force to bring them back. Because... Look, 12-6, and six, four straight losses, but there's still plenty of season ahead, plenty of time to turn this thing around and turn this into a successful season, which is what it looked like the trajectory was, but that has come to a skidding halt over the last four days. And somebody, coaches, leaders, somebody is going to have to figure out a way to pull it back onto the track and get it back going in a positive direction um, because it's hard to see that direction, uh, at least for this particular team, over these last couple games. And that is very disappointing. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday for Banner Monday on Tuesday as well as the IU Northwestern Postgame Show. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation, or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you.